0: Good morning. Good morning. How's everybody doing? How's everybody doing today? All right. That's a little bit better. I think uh, I think some people are skipping because they thought I was going to be gone today. So you know what happens when the pastor's not here. It's a good day to skip. But no, actually, um, I know Nathan contacted me this morning and said the family's sick. Um, I just got a bunch of texts this morning where people are sick. So let's remember those people that are, that are out today and uh, remember them in prayer. But if you would, would you do me a favor and just take out your bulletin as we go over a couple quick announcements. So who is here and watched the first episode of The Chosen? How was it? Good? Yeah. Come out. Come out next week, episode two. And if you missed episode one, let us know and we'll, we'll show you how you can get that. But um, excellent series, and I'm hoping you guys take advantage of that and watch that with us. So we'll be out here. I was really bummed to, be, to miss that episode with you guys, but we'll be out here definitely for episode two. And also, church board, just a reminder that there's going to be a, a meeting right after the service. But would you stand with me? Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for today. Lord, we thank you for the ability to come and to gather in your name. Lord, I pray that our attention would be fully on you. Lord, I pray that you would be with us through the things that we're thinking about and dealing with and that um, we'd just be able to give you the focus that you deserve. Lord, um, I pray for this service that you would sing through the people that are up here, speak through them. I pray that you'd speak through the people that are praying. Lord, I pray that you'd be with the teachers and the kids, that you would speak through them as well and help them communicate in a way that these kids could understand it. Lord, and I pray that, that you would speak through your word, that our, that our hearts would be soft, that our eyes and ears would be open, Lord, and that we would hear from you. Father, call us. Call us as a church to reach this community. Father, I pray that you'd be with every other church that meets in your name, that gives you honor and glory. Lord, I pray that you would bless them. I pray that you would build them. I pray that you would just light them on fire, Lord. And Father, we thank you for these young kids that are screaming, Lord. Lord, please don't ever let their parents think that they aren't welcome here, that we don't love them. We love that sound. That's a sound that glorifies you. Father, thank you for these kids. We love you and we give you all praise. In your name we pray, amen.
1: Good morning. We're just going to do a little things a little bit different today, so just play, let's just praise the Lord today, okay? As we lift up our hands, will you meet us here as we call on your name? Will you meet us here? We have come to this place. To worship you, God of mercy and grace, it is you we adore. He became sin, who knew no sin, that we might become his righteousness. He humbled himself and cared So your grace is more where grace is found is where you are where you are Voice choir when the music fades all is stripped away, and I simply come longing just to bring something that's a word that will bless your heart. of endless word No one could express how much you deserve Though I'm weak and poor All I have is yours Every single breath I'll bring you more than Song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within through the way things appear. You're looking into my heart. Yeah. And I'm coming back. It's all about you, Jesus I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I made it And it's all about you It's all about you, Jesus So it's important to remember Whatever you have going in your life Bring it to God Verse Peter 5:7 says, cast all your anxieties on me because I care about you. That's my life verse. So if you have something going on in your life, lay it at Jesus' feet. Give it to God. I'll bring you more than a song. I'll bring you more than a song. than a song, I'll bring you more than a song.
0: All right, um, would you turn to your Bibles to Numbers chapter thirteen? Numbers chapter thirteen. Uh, before we get started, I just want to say a big thank you for my family. Um, just really appreciate all the prayers, all the cards. Um, Contacts and um, everything like that. Uh, yeah. We're going to talk about perspective today. And sometimes when something like this happens, you get a new perspective on on things, and um, you appreciate your church family a lot. And so I really appreciate you. I know Addy and my kids do as well. Uh, so huge, huge thank you um, from our family to to this family. We love you. And uh, we're blessed to be a part of this church. And, I, and I, I want you to know this, you know, you are family to us. Uh, anybody talks bad about you, man, I'm going to be in their face, all right? Uh, and I expect you to do the same. Nobody talks bad about us except for us. Well, you can talk bad about each other, but nobody else does. All right, Numbers chapter 13. Like I said, today I want to talk about perspective. There was a picture of a dress. Do you remember this? There was a picture of a dress that went viral on social media back in 2015. I can't believe it's been that long. But this picture showed us that we can look at something and somebody else can look at the same exact thing and see two different things, two radically different things. You would think that we would see the same thing but we don't. And we can even get frustrated, right? We can even get frustrated when our when we're looking at something and our spouse is looking at something and we see one thing and our spouse sees something totally different. I think this kind of showed us that and kind of taught us that. Um, can you bring up the picture of the dress, right? All right. So there's the picture of the dress. Um, so some people in here, and, and uh, we did this this morning, some people in here see white and gold, and some people see blue and black. And I tell you what, when I was sitting back there, all right, and I looked at that screen, I saw blue and black. And when I looked at that thing, screen, I saw white and gold. All right, so let, let's play the game. How many of you people see white and gold? All right, how many people see blue and black? All right, so how can that be? How can we look at the same exact thing and see two different colors? Is it different back there for anybody? is blue and black back there? All right. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. You were like me. Now, now it's white and gold to me on both. So I don't know. That's just kind of weird. All right. You you can take that down. But how, I mean, there was, there was this, even identical twins were seeing different things with this, with this picture and people were getting into arguments and fights and everything like that. Not too long ago, there were a pair of shoes that were teal and, um, Teal and gray, I think, or otherwise you saw pink, I mean totally different colors, I mean radically different colors, so I don't know how that happens or, or why that happens. I, I tried to read a little bit of the science on it, um, but I, what I can tell you though is is that our perspective changes what we see, our perspective can change our reality, and so that's what we want to look at today your your perspective shapes what you see what you look at and what um, is your reality some things are are subconscious and we don't even realize it Um, most people though see things differently if you if you want to know what that dress is in real life it's blue and black all right so how many were white and gold all right yeah so not that's what the majority of people see though when they look at this dress but it's really blue and black all right So, uh, the real question for us is not what are you looking at, but what's your perspective? That's what I want to think about today and look at today. So, Numbers 13, we're going to be talking about Joshua. We're going to start a sermon series on Joshua. I really like Joshua. Good guy in the Bible, and I think we can learn a lot. Um, Can I give you another example of perspective? All right, this one's a little controversial. All right, Mikey, this is a little controversial. But what do you see when you see this? right if If I were to ask some people in here what they see when they see this, so obviously it's a mask, but what does it represent? Probably going to get some radically different answers, depending on our perspective to what you see in this. Is this a sign of tyranny? Is this a sign of uh being nice to somebody? Is this a sign of you know health? is this a sign of government forced mandate? I don't know you know, depending on what your political persuasion is and how you see this, and I don't want to get into it all right but you probably see this a lot differently, and it's based on perspective. Think about this, too. All right, what about the perspective between Jesus and the disciples? We have, we have lots of stories in the Bible where they had completely different perspectives, saw completely different things. You remember the stories when they, Jesus was getting ready to feed the thousands, all right, and the disciples are, are with him, and the disciples are looking around for how much food do they have? right and and at one time there's a story where a young boy has like five loaves of bread and two fish and the disciples are like oh man this is not enough to feed everybody we're in trouble what are we going to do we don't have enough money right but then Jesus looks at the five loaves and two two fish and what's he say we got leftovers right we got enough for leftovers two very different perspectives and, and I want you to think about that when you're looking at things in life. You remember when Jesus and the disciples um, come to meet uh, Lazarus' sisters, right? Lazarus has been dead for a few days. His disciples are like, that's too late. If only we would have got here sooner, maybe something could have happened. Maybe we could have did something. But what's Jesus see? Jesus sees an opportunity to bring the Father glory. He sees an opportunity to display his power, Right? Two different perspectives. Um, all right, so we're going to be talking about Joshua, though. And um, before we get there, too, you know, how do you see death? Right? Totally, t- my perspective changed over the week. I mean, it was a gut punch when I got that call on, on Monday. And um, um, totally different to what it is today, Right? So sometimes time changes perspective. But uh, like I said, we're going to be looking at Joshua and some different circumstances that he faced. And I think those circumstances and, and how he looked at them and how he faced them are going to teach us a lot. So Joshua served Moses for 40 years. Uh, Moses handpicked Joshua to be his aide, And so he's, he's his right-hand man. And, and um, Joshua was born a slave, you know, And Moses had him leading warriors into battle. Um, Like I said, he's one of my favorite people in the Bible, and I can't wait to look at his life. But today we're going to see him in Numbers 13 and 14. A little context, right? This is is a point after the Israelites have been freed from their time in slavery to Egypt. For 400 years, for over 400 years, the Israelites were a slave to the Egyptians. And God miraculously delivers them. Do you remember how he does that? with the 10 plagues, right? And the people of Israel get to see firsthand God's power and God's hand and God's deliverance. So the, the people are go after the 10th plague. Pharaoh's like, get out of here, right? Get out of here, you know, don't look back. And then, of course, they, they leave and then Pharaoh has a change of heart. He's like, oh my gosh, all that free labor is, is going out the door. So he summons his army and they go after the Israelites, right? And they, they encounter the Israelites right when they're backed up against the Red Sea. And the Israelites are, are, are fearful, right? They, they have nowhere to go. They don't have an army to protect them. Here is, here is the Egyptian army, one of the most powerful armies at this time, right at their door. They're trapped, right? And what does Moses say to him? Moses says to the people, the Lord your God will fight for you today. And the people get to see firsthand God split the Red Sea. They walk over on dry ground. Of course, the Egyptians come after them, and God collapses the sea on them, and they all end up dying. Again, they get to see, they get to witness the power of God up close. They get to witness his deliverance, his power. After this journey, uh, they spend a little bit of time through the wilderness and in this desert area, and this is where we encounter them in numbers 13 all right so numbers 13 they're standing on the border of the land of canaan the land of canaan has another name do you know what that name is the promised land yes right Uh, this is the land that was promised to the israelites back in the time of abraham so hundreds of years before generation after generation they have been anticipating this land getting to this land and finally they've arrived right? They can see it. They can taste it. So Numbers 13, verse 1, the Lord said to Moses, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. So send some men to explore the land of Canaan. We already said the land of Canaan is the promised land. And from this passage, what do we see about this land? It is the land that the Lord is giving to the Israelites. He's giving it to them. Send some men into the promised land. Not send some men into the, I'm contemplating it land, right? Not I'm thinking about giving it, talk to me about it later land, the maybe land. No, this is the promised land. This is the land that he's promised to him. So send some men to explore it. It's a done deal. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. It's already been decided Just send some people to check out how awesome it is. Check out what I'm giving to them. Go look at the fruit. Go look at the fruit of the land. It's pretty amazing. That's God's perspective when it comes to this. That's his perspective. And what we find out, though, is that the majority of these men who go and look at it shift from God's perspective to their own perspective. Verse 17 When Moses sent them to explore Canaan, he said, Go up through the Negev and on on into the hill country. See what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good? Is it bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are the trees in it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land, for it was the season of the first ripe grapes. Do you see what happens there? It's a small shift. It's a small shift from explore the land, right, that God wants them to do. Go check it out. Go explore it. And it becomes a scouting report. For some of these leaders it now becomes a a land to check out, a, a, a scouting report to check out the land and see what they're up against. See what they're up against. They're going to shift from God's perspective from I promised this to you, this is your land, to go see if we can take this land. Do you see that shift? Do you see why that problem, that, that's a problem? It's the same challenge that we have today. It's the same challenge that we face all the time. Have you ever thought about, have you ever let thinking, is something possible Get in the way of something God has promised to you or promised through his word. I know I have. Who are we, though? Who are we, though, to think that we're the ones that get to decide what God can and cannot do? It's it's foolish, right? God's not asking these 12 leaders for a consult. He's not asking them if it's possible. He's not asking them to see if they think they can take it. He doesn't ask them for the odds. He doesn't want a pie chart from them, a pie chart of probabilities. He's not saying, "Can we do it, boys?" No. He's saying, "Go in and look at it. Explore the land that I'm about to give you. This land is promised. It's done." And they changed from that. Just go in and get some fruit. Go in and see how, how good it is. I'm pretty excited for you to see this land that I have promised to you. Verse 21 through 24, they go in and explore the land. They find some killer fruit, right? And then verse 25, it says, at the end of the 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. So can we shift gears a little bit? Can we shift gears and can we put ourselves in the place of the people that are waiting for the men to come back to tell them about the land? right? What would it be like? What it, would it be like to be one of the people of Israel that you are waiting to, for these people to come back and tell you about the promised land, the land that God has promised to you that you've been waiting for, that you've been hearing about it from your family and from your, your parents about this. Remember, God has just delivered them in a mighty way, two mighty ways, delivered to them from Pharaoh and in two distinct, huge Ways, how exciting would it be to be right on the edge, getting ready to go into the promised land. Verse twenty-six, they come back to Moses and Aaron and, and to the whole Israelite community. These are the twelve people that went in, and they bring with them this amazing fruit, right? And check out what they say in, in verse twenty-seven. Like I said, put yourself into people's shoes who are listening. We went into the land to which you sent us. And it does flow with milk and honey. See, God's right, right? Here's the fruit. Here's the fruit of the land, and it's amazing. Verse 28, but, uh uh-oh, but the people who live there are powerful. And their cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev, The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea along the Jordan. Here's the fruit, right? Here's the fruit. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. It's just like God said, but. But. There's the word. And you know what it means. I know this is what God told us. This is what God promised us. But here's the problem with that. The people there are powerful. Every city is fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak. We're talking about giants here. There's giants in this land, and there's enemies on all sides. So this is the report. This is the perspective from 10 of the leaders, 10 of the ones who went. There's two left, though, right? There's two left, Joshua and Caleb. Check out their perspective. This comes from Caleb, verse 30. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. Different, totally different perspective. Looking at the same things, right? The ten leaders and Caleb saw the same exact things. They went out and spied out the same exact land. But reality is determined by our perspective. Ten say we can't, no way. The other two, Joshua and Caleb, are like Let's go, right? Here's the promised land. Let's go. Verse 31, but the men, the ten, who had gone up with them said, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than us. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. A bad report. They said, the land that we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw, all get this, all the people that we saw are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak, who come from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. Can you imagine if you're the people, and this is the report that you hear, Hearing the report from the majority of the people. Man, there's Nephilim there. There's giants in this land. There's people 10 feet tall. There's people twice our height. And we're like grasshoppers to them. Or could you imagine hearing the land devours the people in it? How did the people respond? Chapter 14, verse 1. Then the whole community began weeping aloud, and they cried all night. Here's what happens, right? A critical spirit becomes contagious and takes over the people. Criticism, complaining, looking at something just from man's perspective ruins the whole thing, right? Ignoring what God's promise is ruins the whole thing. And the spirit just spreads throughout the camp. They had just witnessed the 10 plagues They had just witnessed 10 miracles by God. They had just been delivered at the Red Sea. God parted the Red Sea. They were able to walk across on dry land. He just delivered them from one of the most powerful armies, if not the most powerful army in the land. And they didn't have to lift a sword. God did it all. But that's what happens when that that spirit gets into the land, right? That critical spirit, that complaining spirit. Our our news media loves to do this. Our news media loves to prey on people. This is the spirit that they spread. They want you to buy into the fear, because if you buy into this fear, you're going to stay tuned to everything that they say. You're going to hang on every word that they say oh my gosh what's happening you remember when 9 11 happened man we were all glued to our tv sets right and every time there's a political election that comes up man we're glued to our tv sets listening to the news they're trying to spread the spirit people can't get enough and they keep turning in tuning in verse two their voices rose in a great chorus a chorus of protest They begin to protest against Moses and Aaron. And they say this, if only we had died in Egypt. Are you kidding me? If only we had died in Egypt Egypt, or even here in the wilderness. That's what they're complaining about. So they listen to this negative, negative report. They protest. They start complaining. If only we had died in Egypt or even in the wilderness. Then listen to this. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children would be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. They spent 400 years living as slaves praying for god to deliver them god delivers them in an amazing way brings them to the land that he promised them and they're like oh man what are you doing god i don't know maybe he's doing what he said he was doing maybe just bank on that promise right but instead they're like oh let's go back let's go back and become slaves that's what they want Because of this spirit, this complaining, this critical spirit that engulfs them. Verse 5, Moses and Aaron fall face down in front of everybody. What else are you going to do right to that? Joshua and Caleb stand up, though. And I want you to notice their perspective. Verse 6, Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, The land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, He will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Sounds like what Jesus said, what God said to Him, right? He was going to give it to Him. Only do not rebel against the Lord, and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. Do you see their perspective? Do you see how it's different? They're looking at the same exact thing, right? They see it totally different. 10 come back and say, "We're like grasshoppers to them. They're all giants." 2 of them come back and say, "They're like helpless pray to us that's how the nlt translates translates it they're like helpless pray to us and so i want you to ask yourself what do you see what do you see when you look at the big hurdles in life the big things that you're that you're looking at do you see the i'm a grasshopper or do you see man they're like helpless pray they have no protection. But the Lord is with us. The Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. Like, don't you remember what God just did for us? Don't you remember how He just saved us? We saw it with our very own eyes. We've seen His power at work. We've seen the lengths that He's gone to. This is nothing for Him. If the Lord is with us, then who can be against us? Right? What are you facing right now? What are you facing? What mountain stands before you? What are you worried about? What are you anxious about? What are you filled with that anxiety about? Who's standing next to you? Who's standing next? next to you. Who promised never to leave you? The God of the universe. Amen? Amen. Twelve leaders looking at the same thing, seeing it very differently and it's all determined by their perspective. Why so different? Why are they so different in what they saw? Did you notice the ten don't mention God at all? God didn't figure in at all they were just seeing things from man's perspective what can we do what are we able to do and my friends that's how we look at problems pretty often we look at the practical what can we do against cancer what can we do against this work situation what can we do against these demons that we're fighting right joshua and caleb though look at it from god's perspective from God's promise, from God's power, from what they had experienced. That's the difference, right? This is what I want to end with, four questions to ask yourself. And how you answer these four questions will shape your perspective in life. Number one, what am I looking for? Not what am I looking at. What am I looking for? Because usually what you look for, that's what you'll see. All right, so what am I looking for? I think God wanted these 12 people to go look for fruit. I think that's what he wanted them to look at. Go look for some fruit. Fruit is what's good, right? Fruit is evidence that God can be trusted, especially in this situation. Fruit is evidence that God keeps his promise. Go look for the fruit. That's not what the 10 focused on or, or looked for, though. Is that what you're looking for? Are you looking for what's good? Our culture looks for what's bad. It is deeply ingrained in our culture today. We look for the bad in people, especially the people that we don't like, especially the people on the other side of our our political persuasion, right? I'm looking for the bad to point that out. Man, they're hypocrites. They're horrible people. What are you looking for? Frustration? Problems? obstacles. I'm always looking for obstacles. I'm always looking for why it won't work, why this won't work. Is that an obstacle in front of me? Or is that just something that God will show his power through? An opportunity for God to display his power. An opportunity for God to get the glory. Simon Sinek is a leadership expert, and he talks about this time that he went through the park, and he was running uh, with his buddy, and he sees this table where they're giving away bagels, free bagels. He hadn't eaten breakfast, didn't have any money on him, so it seemed like a no-brainer, right? Let's go get some bagels. So he says to his buddy, hey, let's go get one of those free bagels. And his friend immediately looks at the situation, and he says, oh, I don't want to wait in line. Simon hadn't really noticed the line he just saw the free bagel, he said, at that point, I realized there's two basic ways you can view the world. You can look for the bagel, or you can look for the line. What are you looking at? You can look at what's possible, or you can look at what might prevent the possible. Ask yourself, am I somebody in this season that looks for the bagels, or am I somebody looking at the line? What you're looking for has a way to determine your reality. It shapes your perspective. Number two, what lens are you looking through? What lens are you looking through? Are you looking through a lens of fear? Or are you looking through a lens of faith? When God asks you to do something, to speak to someone, to stand up and say something, do you look at that with fear? Do you shy away from it? God, I'm not good at that. I am not gifted in that. That scares me to death. Or are you are looking at it through the lens of faith? God will enable me to do that. He's called me to do it. He'll enable me to do it. To 10, there are giants. To Caleb and Joshua, through the lens of faith, they are helpless prey. Let's go. God's got this. Here's, here's another way to think about these lenses. The lens of fear is a close-up lens. All you can see is that mountain. All you can see is that problem. Whatever that thing is right in front of you, that's all you can focus in on. But the lens of faith is a wide-angled lens. It lets you see the bigger picture. It gives you perspective. It lets you see the relationship between God and how big he is and really how small that problem is. It lets you compare it to God. And oh, that problem isn't so big when you compare it to God. Right? How do you switch though? How do you switch from the lens of faith? Because I know I've been in those situations that's when that problem is right in front of me and it's like, man, that's all I can see. That's all I can concentrate. How do you switch to the lens of faith? Praise and gratitude. Amen. Praise and gratitude. Start your prayer time off praising God, worshiping Him. Put God in His proper place and proper perspective. See how big He really is. It takes the focus off the problem, off of you, right? Off of you having to handle that problem by yourself, and it reminds you that there is a God you serve that stands right next to you. <clears throat> you can even take it a little step further, keep a gratitude journal. Even in the worst circumstances, what can you be grateful for? Side, side tangent, all right? How many of you in here are married? All right, so something that you guys can you guys can try out um, maybe with your wife or your husband instead of keeping track of what drives you nuts about them, right? That's easy to do. I was snoring all night last night, probably driving my wife nuts. Instead, keep track of what you're grateful about them, what you're looking for you'll see. It'll drive you nuts. What are you grateful about your spouse for? Leave them a little note. Let them know, right? Third question, who do you listen to? Who you listen to has a way of shaping your perspective and determining what you see. Who do you listen to? Who did the Israelites listen to? Three million people, they estimate, had to decide who they were going to listen to. The 10 or the two. And then I tell you what, that ratio will probably be the same for you. You'll probably have ten fear-filled negative people compared to two faith-filled people speaking to you. Who are going to listen to? you? Ten negative fear reports or two faith-filled reports? The Israelites listen to the ten. And as a result, they wander in the wilderness for the next 40 years. Until all those people die out, except for Caleb and Joshua. Who are you listening to? Listen to the people speaking through faith. When my dad died, I obviously had a lot of emotions, a lot of voices in my head, a lot of sorrow, sadness, regret, and I was speaking a lot of things to myself about that and focusing in on that what i was able to do though was go to god's word and remind myself of where my dad was man and that brought a lot of hope to me a lot of peace who are you listening to get in the word of god right get in the word of god when that voice comes my friends Inside your head, inside your head, late at night. Put on some praise and worship music. Sing to God. Put on miracle, or put on, what's that song, Waymaker? Waymaker. Miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. That is who you are. Right? Put that on. Put it on repeat. Just let it speak to you Turn off the dang news, right? Turn off the news, quit letting that. Some people are obsessed with the news right now, and that's all they listen to, and it speaks into them, and I can tell who those people are because they're miserable. Turn off the news. Open up your Bible. Turn on Caleb, turn on 97.7, whatever it is, even that Southern Gospel stuff that Mikey listens to. I don't like that stuff, but hey. (laughs) It's not about me. Last question. What words do you speak? What words do you speak to yourself? We read that in a section of Scripture that the crowd, they listened to these negative reports and then they began to complain and criticize and to blame. Oh, it would be better if we had just stayed in Egypt Let's find a leader and take us back there. The more you do that, the more you criticize, the more you complain, the more you blame, the more it grows. It takes over. The Bible talks about this, and some of you, if you're like me, are pretty hard on yourself, right? Check out Proverbs 18.21. It says, life and death are in the power of of the tongue what you say to yourself what you say to other people is life and death you can totally destroy somebody or you can totally build them up what are you saying are you going to tell yourself we're grasshoppers we're grasshoppers or are you going to tell yourself i'm a son or a daughter of the king of the universe I'm a child of God will you be reminded of that you're not facing these things alone you've got the king of the universe the one who spoke all of creation into existence right there with you and you've got a church family too that will stand with you amen stand with me you're either looking at some high walls right now, some fortified cities, some giants in your life, or you're going to. Right? Or you're going to be looking at those things. And you have to decide, who will I listen to? God's Word or the news? And then you're going to have to determine, man, what will you say? I want to encourage you to say, I'm a son or a daughter of the living God. Remember that. Tell yourself that. Tell somebody else. Grab somebody else and say, this is what I'm dealing with. This is what I'm looking at. And, And then be in His Word. Find the promises. There are so many promises in here. So many. Hang on to them. Memorize them. Speak them when those words come at night, when those voices come in your head, right? Look at it all through a lens of faith. Amen? If you do that, you'll see things totally different. Totally different. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today. Lord, I thank you once again for this church family that you've blessed each and every one of us with. Help us to be there for each other through tough times. Lord, help us to be willing to be vulnerable and share the things that we're going through. Father, give us a new perspective though. Lord, I know that there's people in here looking at mountains and they don't see a way out. They don't see how anything good can come out of this. Lord, but you are the way maker, Lord. You're the God of the universe. Father, and you can do anything. So Lord, help us to entrust these things to You. If You ask us to do something, help us not to respond with fear, but to respond with boldness. Lord, I pray that You would give us a perspective that includes You, that not only includes You, but that focuses in on You. Lord, remind us of that and deliver us. Father, help us not to make it all about us or or what we can do. Help us not to look to those things with our own eyes, but help us look at those things through what you're capable of. And help us to trust you with them. Lord, we love you and we give you all praise. In your name we pray, amen. You are dismissed.